All right, well, good morning. Uh, my name is Brady Testorf, and I'm the pastor here at the Calling Community Church. We're excited that you're here. We have some, some special things to take care of right at the beginning of the service. And if you look around, you see some, some uh, new faces, and you see these babies. You're like, what is going on? Well, this morning we have four baby dedications that we're going to do. And so if you are here for that, moms and dads and babies, go ahead and come on forward. And just to make sure that uh, you understand that the way that we view baby dedications is not about baptizing the, the child or so much really about the baby as much as it is about the parents who are raising the baby. And we really believe that the primary responsibility um, as far as the teaching goes for the child is, lies within the parents. It's not, it's, not, it's not my full responsibility to, to teach them about the Lord. It's the parents' responsibility to do that. And one of the things that we really value around here is moms and dads doing that. So we want to really just uh, bless them as a church. We're going to pray for them. We're going to encourage them as they continue to grow and uh, develop as a family. And so we're so excited that they're here today. I want to, uh, to introduce, introduce each one of the, the children and then we'll pray for them. First of all, we have Danielle and R.C. Liker, and they're, the young man that they're dedicating today is James William Liker. His name James means nurturer, and in the, the Bible verse that, come, that came up with his name was, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God is a nurturer to us, and James, his name means nurturer. Next. Has got in order here. Thank you for doing that. This is Trey Harsh and Cassidy Jacobacy, and we're here to dedicate Jacoby Tyler Harsh. He wins the award for the youngest. He is the youngest one today, and precious little guy. His name Jacoby means to follow. In First Corinthians one or eleven one says, "Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ." And then we have Tony and Casey. Flawhar, Tony, you might know, is our worship minister. He's the one who puts together the teams and the music each Sunday morning. We appreciate him and his wife who worships with us and leads. And as she is also leading the children's Christmas program. She's a part of that. So I think they told you if you're going to be in that next week after service, be ready to dress rehearsal to be ready for that. And so we are here to, uh, to dedicate Elijah Gregory Jude Flawhar. He's so important. He's four names. Four names. What a beautiful little guy he is. His name means helpful. Philippians 2.4 says, Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also for the interest of others. And then we have Ryan and Amanda Campbell. And we are here today, today, Daisy Jean Grace Campbell. And Daisy's name means chosen. In Ephesians 4.1 says, Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. And so, just parents, I'm just going to pray this, uh, this Scripture. This comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, when the people were preparing to go into the promised land, and they were given this word for families, given this word for, for their children and for, for parents to raise their children. And so, pray with me this blessing over these children. Hear, O Israel, Lord our God, the Lord is one. May all these precious children 
grow to love You, Lord, with all of their heart. May they grow to love You with all of their soul and all of their strength. We ask this and we pray this blessing over them in Jesus' name. And now for the parents. The Bible says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart, parents, that you shall teach your children diligently, and that you should talk with them. When as you sit in your house and as you walk along the way, it says, and when you lie down and when you rise up, you should teach them the commands that God has given you to love Him and to love others. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, it says, and they shall be as, as the things placed upon your head, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. That like everywhere your children look, that they see the teachings of the Lord, the loving God and loving others, and they would grow to do just those things. As a church, we just speak a blessing over these families that you would as they, as they go through the seasons of life, difficult times and times when they might feel like giving up, but God, I pray that they would not do so. Lord, I pray that you would seal their relationships, that you would bind them together, and that they would love you and love each other and as they watch their children grow. May they all live to see their children's children. We ask this blessing on them in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, well thank you. Bless you guys. I have a gift for you. Now this this book is called the Jesus Storybook Bible, and it says every story whispers the name of Jesus. And so this is a story, obviously, about Scripture and Jesus, how he plays a role in all throughout the Bible. And so this is a gift for the families. Well, thank you guys. Give it up for these families and bless them as we go. Well, my, my desire as a pastor is to watch these little ones grow up and then eventually they put their faith in, the, in Jesus and then they come to me and their parents come and say, hey, they want to be baptized. So then we baptize them. And then we watch them grow up and we watch them become parents, bringing their kids back. And if I live long enough, <laughs> see their children's children and to be able to walk with them through all the different seasons of life. My goal is, is that, that I will get a chance to be there for them. I'll get a chance to be there for these young parents and Maybe be there for their parents' funeral someday, and then I'll die, and they'll all get to come to my funeral, and it'll be, it'll be amazing, all right? That's my, that's my goal as a pastor. So we're in the season of Advent. It's a season of anticipation of something coming into, into the world. Last week, we talked about the season uh, or the coming of hope, and this morning, we're talking about the coming of peace into the world in the form of and through Jesus Christ. And so we celebrate that at Christmas season. That's the, that's the reason for the season as we, as we anticipate the coming of Jesus. And so each week, we'll light the candles. And before it's all said and done, all the candles will be lit. And then on Christmas Eve, we will gather here at 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve. And from the center candle, which is the Christ candle, we'll light a candle and we'll, do a, we'll spread the flame all the way out through the congregation. And we'll have a, a celebration together with the culmination of Christ coming into the earth. And so we're looking forward to that time. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about peace. And so this, this doesn't always happen to me when it comes to sermon preparation. Sometimes it's, a, it's just a struggle and a battle all week long. Okay, what, God, what does he want me to say? And how do you want me to say it? And do I say it in a way that, that makes sense? Can they get it? Can they grasp it and do something with it? And there's always a desire for you to know something feel something, and then do something. If you know it, 
and you start to feel it, but you don't do anything with it, if I don't give you something to do with it, it it's my fault. And I, and I don't want to do that. So it's always, always trying to think about those things as we, as we prepare. And I'm thankful that you're here as a guest with your family. And I, and I know it's always a little bit of a struggle. You're like, I don't know what to expect. What's going to happen? We're gonna, are they going to make it uncomfortable for us? Are they going to make us stand up and be acknowledged in front of everyone? Yeah, right now, that's what we're going to do. No, we don't do that. We're not gonna, we hope we don't want you, want you to feel uncomfortable. We want you to be challenged maybe a little bit and be confronted with the peace that comes and knowing who Jesus is. And so I was preparing early on in the week, and like I said, this doesn't always happen. This is what happened this, this week as I was preparing for this, this sermon. Monday, I went to the, to the YMCA, and I always start my time out at the YMCA by sitting in the hot tub. It's a strenuous, strenuous workout that I have, <laughs> sitting in the hot tub, getting my muscles warm. You know, that's my, I'm older, it takes me a little while to get going, so I sit in the hot tub. Well, that particular day, I thought, well, I'm going to go sit in the steam room to just, uh, I may sweat out some of the, my poor eating habits, and I thought, I, you know, it's a good way to do it. So I went and sat in the steam room, and while I was sitting in there, I usually do this. I usually pray through the Lord's Prayer, Our Father, who are, just like you did this morning. And then once I get through it once, then I'll say, My Father, who art in, her, her art in heaven, and then I'll make it more personal. I know I've shared that with you before. And so as I was doing that, I got, I got through it. And then I was, I was really just asking, it's like, Lord, we're talking about peace this Sunday. I don't really want to use notes this Sunday. I don't want to have to have notes. I want to just preach what you put on my heart. And like a download on a computer, it just kind of came to me, this, this idea of speaking about peace using the Lord's Prayer as, as the main text. And I thought, wow, that's really awesome. That's, that's, that's good. It gave me some peace because then I don't have to like fret and worry so much all week long. Like, what do you want me to say? And so I thought, oh, that's awesome. And then it's a cool story that kind of goes along with it in the book of Mark. And we'll go there in just a minute too. So if, first of all, turn in, if you have a Bible with you, turn to Matthew chapter 6. And that's the, that's the time where Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And if you're, if you want to just, if you want to know how to pray, this is a great place to start. You can commit it to memory and it's something you can do every day. So I had that in my mind. So then I go into the, I go into the pool warm up a little bit before I go exercise. And there is a young man there that some of you might know. I'm not going to say his name, but he's a lifeguard. And I, and I was like, hey, hey, how's it going? Good to see you again. He said, hey, I heard you have your own congregation now. Like you have your own church. I said, yeah, we meet at the high school auditorium at, at, in Platte City at 1030. And, and uh, so we talked a little bit. So then it's always an easy conversation. And they say, well, hey, what about you? Are you attending? Or do you go to church somewhere? What do you... And he begins to share with me this, this ironic thought or message back to me when he was saying, well, you see, I have my own version, my own version of religion or my own, my own version of peace. I thought, oh, I heard the word peace. That's awesome. This is good. So I said, you have your own version of peace. Yeah, I just kind of made up in my mind kind of how I how I believe what the truth is, and, and, how, and, it just, and, I'm, and I'm okay with it. I'm at peace with how I'm living. I was like, well, man, that's awesome. Most people can't say that. It's good that you've rationalized in your own mind that how you're living is perfectly okay, and, it, and, and you're okay with that, and you're good. I said, well, I said, well, can I agree to disagree with you on some of those things? He said, well, sure, yeah, that's, you know, we have dialogue. I like dialogue. I like asking questions. Like, that's good. And so I'm like, well, what do you do with Jesus? What do you do with Jesus? Who do you say Jesus is? 
well, you know, that's a great question. And, you know, he kind of like diverted and we kind of went off onto a different, different topic. But I'm like, where, where, where is your hope and where is your peace? Is your hope and your peace in just what you think is truth? I mean, because he has a foundation. He grew up in church. I know his parents. I was like, well, what about, what about the truth that you were taught when you were young? You know, what about these young, these young kids up here? They're going to begin receiving truth and hearing truth. What about that? He said, well, I mean, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for I have that good foundation. I said, well, yeah, you've, it's, it's critical. You've got to have that. You've got to have something to build your life upon. If you build it upon whatever, whichever direction the wind's blowing, I don't know how you can find peace in that. He said, well, it works for me. I was like, well, I'm glad it works for you. And he was like, well, how do you know for sure? How do you know what you believe is true, Brady? I was like, well, I said, for one, I was indoctrinated as a young boy in the Christian faith. And I'm thankful for that, for my mom and dad. I'm thankful that my mom and dad made me, drug me, encouraged me <laughs> to go to church, to hear the truth. Now, as I got older, I had to make some decisions right in my own heart, in my own mind. Is this really the right way to live is this does this matter is it does it have meaning and purpose does it work for me and i've just seen the evidence over and over and over again in my life how it how it plays out and how it's affected and impacted my world and and i see the value of it now he's he doesn't see that he's not there yet maybe he will be there eventually i don't know it gives me some fuel for my prayer fire for him i know how to pray for him and encourage him and I don't condemn him, and I don't look down upon him. The next time I saw him, I wasn't like, ooh, get away from that guy, because he doesn't believe what I believe. I was like, yo, man, what's up? How you doing? He's like, good. How was, how was your weekend? It was good, you know? And we talked. And so I'm hoping that he'll begin to open up more, and we'll, we'll have some dialogue. So here's this, this thought that I had about the Lord's Prayer. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. It's not the only way to pray, but this is a way to pray. And I want to use this in the, in the idea or the context of peace, okay? Peace coming into our lives. So he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. So your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So thinking about this thought, God's will or his desire for your life. Okay, think about what he desires for you. Sometimes what he desires and what you desire is the exact same thing. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes we're off, it's off a little bit. But what, what he desires for you, the kingdom that he wants to come into your world, like when you think about kingdom, think about, uh, think about rule and reign. You know, like the rule in, in the reign in your life, the things that he wants for you is good and it brings peace. When his will is being done in your life, it brings you perfect peace because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And so one, for one, God's desire, his will for you in your life, if you want to know what, what does God expect, what does he want from me, the Bible says God's will is for you to believe in the one that he has sent. So his desire for your life, number one, is for you to believe in Jesus. Believe that Jesus is peace. And he's the way, he's the truth, he's life. That's one of the desires God has for you. Okay? So you think about that. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So I'll, I'll pray it like this sometimes. God, your kingdom come, your will be done in my mind, in my heart, in my home, 
in my relationships, relationship with my wife, my children, the people that I come in contact with every day, your kingdom come and your will be done. What, what do you want me to do, God, today? And when, I, when I'm walking that out, not, all, not always do I get it right, but when I am walking it out, you know what I experience? You know what I feel inside of me? An incredible amount of peace. And I talked with some men. We had a Bible study on Thursday night with some men, and we were talking about that. And I, and I know what it's like to, to live for a different kingdom. I know what it's like to live for my own selfish gain. And you know what I experience for that? I'll tell you what I experienced in the beginning is some, a little bit of gratification. Oh, it feels good. But the longer I walk down that road, the less peaceful I start to feel. And I start feeling harassed and chaotic and out of control. Does that make sense? Give us today our daily bread. Isn't there a certain amount of just peace that can come when we just trust God to give us what we need for the day? I don't know if, if you've ever lived that way or have to live. Sometimes we're forced into living. God, I don't know where it's going to come from, but I know it's going to come from you if it does. And I just trust you. And it could be your daily bread. It could be what you need for that particular moment. Food to eat. Money to pay that bill an encouraging word from a friend. Whatever it is that you need that moment, do you trust him for that? And I tell you, the peace that comes apart from anxiety and worry about where it's going to come from is pretty amazing. And to compare those two things. Now, do I ever worry some? You know what I worry about the most? I'll just be real with you right now. You know what I worry about the most? I worry when my children leave the house in their vehicle. Any parents, you guys feel that way? When your kids first started driving... Now, I know Trey was probably perfect, probably never, never yeah, exactly, you're right. Yeah, but I just know what it's like when they first just drove away, and you're just like, ugh, I just can't wait to hear the garage door open again so I know that they're home. So there's a little bit of anxiety there. Things we cannot control, lots of things in our life we can't control. But in this particular text, what he's saying is, is God, God's saying, or Jesus is telling them, give us today our dailies, what we need for this moment, and the peace that comes when we trust him takes away the anxiety that we feel. Now, and forgive us of our debts. We use forgive us of our sins, right? Have you ever, ever had this like moment in your life where I just really need to be set free from that? Maybe uh, forgiveness from someone else. Because that's a little bit, for us, it's more tangible for us. Have you ever hurt someone and you've gone to that person and you've said, would you please forgive me? And what do you feel when they say, yes, and will you forgive me? What do you feel? Peace. Right? Isn't it amazing? And the next piece is, is when um, we forgive those who sin against us. That's a little bit harder. <laughs> Help us to forgive those who sin against us. We, we are all good at some way or some form or another at keeping records of wrongs. Like, oh yeah, well just let me see all the ways that you've hurt me. Let me just get a list out here. Pull out the scroll. <laughs> but Jesus is saying, no, no, this is how you should pray. You need to forgive those who have sinned against you. And you think, oh, that's, I, I don't, I don't want to let go of that. I feel like we get some kind of like un, um, unhealthy kind of satisfaction or unhealthy peace in holding it against people. And we feel like if we let that go, then somehow they're going to have this power over us. It's really the opposite. When we choose to forgive there's real power in that and this we, we just don't have that anymore like we let it go and peace comes it's a beautiful thing it's very practical and lead us not into temptation if we know that temptation leads to some form of destruction and there's not going to be any peace at the end of that road 
This is a good prayer to pray. God, help me to stay away from things that I know are not good for me. They're going to hurt me in the end. Oh, they might seem good at the moment, but in the end they're going to hurt me. And so that, that thought is, brings peace. And then deliver us from the evil one. It kind of goes along with this temptation piece. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We, we really realize it's His kingdom anyway. It's His desire. It's His rule in our life. It's by His power that we can do any of these things. We can't do them on our own, right? And it's all for His glory. It's not about us. It's really about Him. And so learning to walk that out, live that out, brings perfect peace. And so I thought about, I had this, this, this automatic thought about this. I'm like, okay, God, thank you. I had some peace. I don't have to think so much this week. And then I thought about this story in the book of Mark. Turn over to the next book, next letter, next gospel, next good news of Jesus. That's Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. All right, so I want to I just share, there's three different storms in people's lives that, that Jesus shares about right after he's actually involved in a real-life storm. They're out on the lake. Jesus is sleeping. A storm, a squall, whatever it is, blows in. His disciples are freaking out. And Jesus is napping. And they wake him up. And so it, it, kind of these next, these next few stories get set up, I think, by this Jesus is powerful enough to control the waves. If he's powerful enough to do that, he's powerful enough to deal with storms in your life. And so it leads us to Ma or Mark chapter 5. They, Jesus and his, his followers, went across the lake to the region of the, the Gerasenes, which is modern day, um, trying to remember, it's Jordan, modern day Jordan, north and uh, east of Jerusalem. There's Amon, Jordan, if you look on a map, and it's just north of there. But it was in an area or a region there of ten different cities. Some Bibles uh, have the word uh, Gadarenes or Gerasenes or whichever it is, but it's the same area that it's speaking about. So Jesus gets off this boat where they go across the lake to this other side of, the, uh, of where they were coming from. And it says, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. And this man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. And then Jesus asked him, What is your name? The, he says, My name is Legion, he replied. For we are many. Now, Legion would be maybe up to like 6,000 soldiers. And he begged Jesus again and again, Do not send me or send them out of the area. Well, a large herd of pigs was feeding on the hill, hillside nearby. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. What a wild scene. Never seen anything like this before. This would, this would be crazy if you, if you actually witnessed this. Now those tending the pigs ran off and reported this, this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. Can you imagine if they would have had social media that day? 
what would it have been like on CNN? <laughs> you know, you see the way the news gets covered today. It's just all over the place and all, all over the, media, the web and Twitter and all this stuff. It's like you can imagine the scene, all the pictures and everything that was going, all the reporting, different angles people would use. Pork prices down, <laughs> you know, in the area. <laughs> Beef prices are up. <laughs> all kinds of crazy things. It says, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man. This is one of my favorite parts. When they, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, they were afraid. You know, I don't understand. Why were they afraid? I mean, they saw this. They, they knew the story about this guy. It had gone viral in their area. They had talked. This guy was probably a source, a source of conversation in everybody's home. Yeah, I saw him once. He was crazy. Dude, look right in the eye. He's like, you're staring right through him. I've heard the stories about this man. People were afraid of him. He was an outcast. He was he was in that day unclean, one of the untouchables. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. There are parts of the Bible I just don't understand. Like, Jesus has just ch radically changed this man's life, and they're asking him to leave. What, are they afraid Jesus is going to hurt the economy? You know? Are we afraid sometimes? Man, if we really allow Jesus to have his way in our life, it's going to change us so much, people aren't going to understand. They're not going to be able to recognize us anymore. It's going to change my habits. It's going to change the way I spend my money. It's going to change the way I spend my time. And they're so afraid of that. As Jesus, it said, was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but he said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the people in the Decapolis, this is an area of like 10 different little areas, 10 towns or cities there. He went and told them how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. This is just one story of in a situation where there was everything the opposite of peace. The antonym of peace was this guy. His Life was beyond help. He was a mess. There's nothing that could constrain this man. And if you read on, you'll see two more stories of people who were at, uh, had unrest in their life and there was no peace. They had stories of a, a woman who was dealing with an issue of blood. For 12 years, couldn't find healing. Another a man whose daughter had died and Jesus raised her from the dead. Three different examples of storms in the lives of individuals. Three different stories maybe all of us can relate to one way or another. Now you would say, oh now, now Brady, I've never been possessed like this man. I've never been so out of control that nothing could constrain me. Really? Maybe not exactly that way, but has there ever been a time in your life where your life was out of control? Every single one of us can admit there have been times in our life where we were not living for his kingdom or for his will. We are living for our own. And you might say, well, it's not the same. It's not the exact. Well, you know, it's not exactly the same. But yet, you know, Scripture teaches in Romans chapter 5 that all men are cursed because of Adam, because of Adam's sin. And that the only cure for the curse is Jesus. So apart from Jesus, though we might not look exact, our lives might not look exactly like that, in reality, we're still missing the peace that Jesus brings. You might be like the woman in Scripture that uh, has struggled with a particular issue for a long period of time. You're like, is there, am I ever going to be free of this? 
Maybe it's not a physical thing that you're wanting to be free of. Maybe it's something from your past. And you've been holding on to it for so long. And this woman got to the place she was just thinking, if I could just get to Jesus and just touch Him. Because she, I'm sure she had already heard the story about what He had done for the waves and what He had done for this man who was possessed. And she was thinking, maybe, just maybe, He's the peace that I need. If I could just touch Him. And she did. And the Bible says Jesus felt power come out of His body into this woman as she was healed. And she experienced peace. That's what Jesus is in the business of restoration and restoring and bringing peace into our lives. Last passage that I'll read to you before we finish up our time together. Ephesians chapter 2. This is a word for each of us. It says, as for you, as for us, we were dead in our transgressions and our sins. In all practicality, this man who had struggled for so long, and the woman too, and actually if you go on in the story in, in Mark chapter 5, you'll see the story about the daughter that, was, that had died. They were literally dead. Maybe not physically. She was, but the guy wasn't. He was still alive. But in the culture's eyes, he was dead. From the, he was separated from the rest of the people. And no hope for him. And this is, where we, this is where we find ourselves in the story because apart from Christ, because of the curse that come, came upon man because of Adam's choice in the beginning, we were dead in our transgressions and our sins. That's not a popular message today, ladies and gentlemen. Nobody really wants to hear that. But we need to hear that in order to experience the peace that Jesus can bring. Because it says we are all dead in our transgression and our sins in, which, in the ways we used to live when we followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. There is another kingdom, by the way. It's not God's kingdom. But it says it's the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our own flesh and following our, our own desires and our thoughts. Like the rest, it says, we were by nature deserving of wrath. I know, I want you to try to wrap your mind around this somehow. By nature, by the curse that was on mankind, we were like this demon-possessed man. And you're like, no, no, I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to go with that. But yes, we were. Nothing can constrain us. Nothing can help us apart from Jesus. Nothing. And we know that's to be true because we've tried everything else. Work, money, other things the world has to offer. I've tried them all. I have. I'm still tempted by those things. So that's how bad it is. I'm still tempted by those things. That's why I have to pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from that. There's still those things we think, you know what, maybe just a little bit of that will bring me some peace. I'm still struggling with that. But in Christ, I have been set free from the consequences of those things eternally because I have put my faith in Jesus. And listen to this. I love, love where this goes. This is a, um, this is a big but in Scripture. Yeah, you can say there's big buts in the Bible. Alright? This is a huge one. But, right after we were all deserving of wrath, but, because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Grace is when you get what you don't deserve. None of us. Every single one of us. To the, to the precious little Jacoby. Youngest one in the room. Even though he hasn't done anything wrong yet, but he'll get there <laughs> as he gets older. Because he's got this nature inside of him. But by his grace, the Bible says, he has saved us. He's rich. God is rich 
and mercy. And what did Jesus tell the demon-possessed man to do after he was made clean and, and he had peace in his life? What did Jesus tell him to do? Go and tell everybody in your family and all your friends the mercy God has shown for you. Let other people know that there's hope for them and there's peace in Christ. Let them know. Do you know the next few weeks in church life are the best weeks to invite people to come to church, to know Jesus, to know the hope and the peace and the joy and the love that he brings. Best, best weeks. Next week we'll have a high school choir that's going to be singing. The week after that we have a children's program. Easy opportunity. We have 718 seats in this building. We counted them this morning. I had a young man count them for me just to give him something to do. <laughs> and he said, 718, Brady. So we got some work to do, right? And the reason why is because we want other people to know this peace. Because you know what? They might be like you and they might be thinking, I need what Jesus has to offer. What he had to offer to these people in the story. What he's had to offer Brady. What he's had to offer the people around me. And I'd be admiss to not make this offer to you. Maybe you need this peace this morning. Are you as desperate as this demon-possessed man? Are you as desperate as this woman who... Uh, if she just thought, if I just touched Jesus. Or maybe like the other guy in the story where it's, he came to Jesus and said, hey man, my daughter is dying. And she died before Jesus even got there. But yet he brought her back from the dead. Have you ever been in that place where you just, nothing else is going to work? And this is this awkward time at the end of the sermon. It's uncomfortable because we're like, it's about time to go. I can smell lunch already. Chiefs don't play till three. He's probably going to ask people to come up and pray. and That's going to be weird. You know what? I like weird. I like uncomfortable moments. Because that's how I grow. That's how you've grown too. And it gives other people an opportunity. Like, what if this man would have never had this chance to fall at Jesus' feet? What if this woman never could have touched Jesus? You know what? They all had to come to him. They all had to come to him. And that's why we have times like this at the end where people can come to him. Not come to me. I mean, come to me and I'll pray with you and talk with you. But to come to Jesus. To come and Ask Him for this peace. Maybe, maybe to ask for forgiveness. Maybe to ask Him to help you forgive others. Maybe to ask Him to heal you. Set you free. There's no pigs around <laughs> that are in danger, but there's an altar where you could come and say, Jesus, would you set me free? And if I didn't believe Jesus worked, I wouldn't be here. Seriously, I'd be doing something else, making a heck of a lot more money. But I believe Jesus works. Just like I told this lifeguard, Jesus has worked for me. He's changed everything about my life. And it's worth it. It's worth following Him. It's worth what He has for me. It's better. I don't have to wonder and have my own kind of peace. I know peace because I know Jesus. And so we'll, we'll make it available for people to come and pray. If you want to pray, if you want someone to pray with you, bring someone with you or just ask me. I'll pray with you. But this is your time as we finish this last song together.